Recovery Sort Of is a podcast where we discuss recovery and addiction topics from the perspective of people living in long-term recovery. This podcast does not intend to represent the views of any particular group, organization, or fellowship. The views expressed here are solely the opinion of its contributors. Be advised there may be strong language or topics of an adult nature. Here we are, recovery sort of. I uh, am Jason. I'm a guy in long-term recovery or or some form of recovery, I hope. Uh, And here is Billy. I'm Billy. I'm also a person in long-term recovery. And today we're going to talk about step eight, which is a wonderful, wonderful thing. Uh, Before we get into that, uh, we did have a couple of messages about spirituality last week. Autumn uh, was the first message we had who said, religion is for people who are scared of hell. Spirituality is for people who have been through it. And I know, like, at first, I'm always like, yeah, for one, I forgot all about that saying, right? That uh, I do like that saying. I think it's been pertinent. At least it made me feel special when I first got here. Um, But even after that, like, I I tend to, oh, yeah, you know, it's one of those cliches. It's got a little maybe truth to it. But I kind of think there's something to that because we've kind of talked about that, too. Like, religion... uh, is a comforting thing, right? And, and not to say that everybody that gets into it is people who haven't, you know, been through hell or whatever, but it, it's people frequently were scared. I think we're all scared, really, of life or death or, or things that happen, tragedy. And so we seek out a comforting place, right? And I, and I think you've mentioned that too, like the idea of like a, an afterlife or a heaven is comforting. And, and you are almost jealous that you don't believe something like that because it could be useful to you. And so in, in that sense, you know, the religion part being for people who are scared of hell, but I think, <clears throat> excuse me, more for me and what I like about this is spirituality is for people who have been through it. And I think, I don't think spirituality would work for me without the experience of the toughness of life or without the experience of tough feelings that I've had to deal with or tough situations I've been through. Like, I think there's some, some real substance to that kind of thing. Do you have any thoughts about that at all? From a strictly, like, analytical point, I yes. think that's a terrible cliche. I like it because it sounds good. <laughs> well, for two reasons. One, it limits people. It makes it seem like if you haven't been through what I've been through, you can't be a spiritual person, which I don't agree with that at all. I think there are just genuinely good people out there. It doesn't mean they had to get abused or be a terrible person in order to understand the other side of that. Hmm. Um, I have met some of the most compassionate, wonderful, loving people that I have ever met in my life through religious organizations. Um, I think (laughs) – so it's funny. My wife and I were just having a conversation about religion last night, and I was bashing it in the context that – what lets me know religion is bad is that it's way harder to pick 
if you had a group of a hundred, you know, let's take Christians, for example, in a room, you'd be lucky to pick 10 really great ones out of that. The rest are probably, eh, or uh, probably not even good people. (laughs) And that's a generalization, obviously. It's probably terrible to say. But there are going to be probably 10 people in that room that believe wholeheartedly in the love, compassion, you know, all the, the... best parts of Christianity and will go out in their life and try to do those things. So those people exist. They aren't, uh, it's not like if you're in religion, you're a terrible person. If you're involved in organized religion, you're gross. Um, And I don't know if everyone needs to go through suffering. If we're lucky, we, I mean, life is life. So you're going to have some level of suffering no matter what. Uh, The difference with addiction, if I had to be completely frank, is I caused most of the harm and destruction in my life. I caused way more harm than was ever done to me. Mm -hmm. So if the criteria to be a spiritual person is that you have to go out and wreck the lives of a bunch of people that you come in contact with, I don't necessarily think that's a good way to look at it. (laughs) Well, yeah, I don't – I guess for me, and Mm -hmm. and when I was dissecting this in my head, I wasn't – I kind of took the religion piece out of it because I wasn't real focused on that. Oh, and can I just – and the the other thing – sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. But when we say religion, what we really mean is Christianity because there are a bunch of religions that don't focus on this afterlife piece as much. I think that's a main staple of – Christianity, mm. and it's a main staple of, I think, the Muslim religion. Yeah. But a lot of other ones don't focus on that stuff so much. You know what I mean? Especially a lot of the Western religions and stuff. It's not about an afterlife. It's about what are we doing with our lives right here and now. Right, right. Well, when I was looking at this, and I know you know it's been said many times for people like us uh, about this concept and we look at it just as oh spirituality is for people who have been through it meaning been through addiction because addiction is a a a living hell in some ways you know a a, definitely a a living prison of our own making for us but I, I was just thinking of it in the sense of like could you possibly want or desire to be connected like we were talking about spirituality as this form of connection and and you know treating people in certain ways and everything could you possibly even see that as the answer to your life if you've never tried the other ways which to me all the other ways do produce you know either some suffering or more suffering than you've been through already like when i try to fix myself through eating or or cigarettes or buying new cars or whatever it is like that always leads me to a better understanding of, hey, this felt good for a second, and now I'm right back down to where I was before I tried to feel good. Do you think there's people who have just, like, since birth been raised to to want to feel connected to people and haven't bought into our culture and society of, of consumerism? And, like, that's where I guess I was coming from. I, I just felt like, yeah, I think people do have to kind of try the alternative and find their own little, like hellish landscape of this doesn't work before they can go to spirituality. Uh, Yeah, I don't think people need to do that. I mean, we Mm -hmm. spent some time out in Utah with the Mormons, and they're not people that have bought into this way of life at all. And they were some of the nicest, kindest people. I'm sure some of them are fake. I'm not, you know, I don't think all Mormons are great. And my exposure to them was pretty limited. Right. But, no, they just wanted to be kind and and they were very focused on like community connection and connecting with other people and not about materialism or pop culture or none of that stuff 
Yeah, and, it was amazing. And so it was very interesting. <laughs> I loved it. I, right. I, oh yeah. I almost became a Mormon just because these <laughs> fucking people were so great. You Billy, know? Like, Billy Mormon. Yeah. I. I so and and I try to be an open minded guy that says, okay, everybody's experience is not my experience. You know, everybody's got it a little different. No, not everybody has to go to where I had to go to to get to my understandings. That's stretching my ability to to be open minded. I'm like, really? People can just fucking be. That like I feel like you have to go. I so, don't know. Yeah. Well, what if we take this whole thing and just twist it to a different way of looking at it? So, for example, if you took you know one of your daughters or one of your kids, or maybe not someone that's one of your kids, but a random person at seventeen, eighteen, nineteen years old, and just like worked with them and like sponsored them through the steps, do you think that could lead them to some spiritual understanding, or do you think you know the the program or the 12 steps only work for people that are addicts i don't think they only work for people who are addicts but i think they probably don't work if i don't see the need to do anything different like the steps only worked for me because i saw the need to change in me the ways i was going weren't working and they were producing really terrible outcomes and so like it was only through that need to do something different that i really saw the need to do them and I guess I could have worked through them, but I wouldn't have changed nothing. I'd be like, well, this sounds good, but, like, what I'm doing is working. I'm, I'm good. You know what I mean? Mm, yeah. And I think by 17, I had already been through some suffering personally. Well, again, <laughs> everybody's going to have suffering in life. No one right. gets out without a death of a very close loved one or some sort of level of abuse, you know, some more minor than others. But, yes, we right. all – everyone in life will have suffering. That's well, there we just go. a part I, of – I think he just conceded and I won. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I've and I guess I go back to like I've always thought like this the, the steps just in general I mean maybe some parts would be pushing it a little bit but the steps in general like if we could get most people to work the steps in their lives the end result would be much better fucking people like we would have much more loving kind compassionate caring people when we started looking at you know we're looking at our own shortcomings the harm that we've caused to other people all these things like i don't think you have to be an addict to say yeah i've done some shitty stuff in my life i've hurt some people when i didn't want to i've acted out on character defects to f- fulfill selfish desires you know those i didn't feel good about those things and so now hopefully i can learn from that i can get in a practice of a maybe you know meditation or some sort of spiritual connection to a higher power i can get into a routine of looking at my life doing an inventory and uh i can try to help other people in the world like Hmm. i think anyone could benefit from that i would agree with that but i just i think that i guess from my perspective puts a little bit overstock in the steps like i don't i think the steps are a great way to do it uh they've worked well for me and i think they can work well for anybody that would see the need to I don't think they're the only way. I think people get a similar help in therapy. I think people can find similar help in other types of, of you know, recovery programs or, or things outside of recovery programs, all if they're invested in doing something different with their life. So I would say our goal is not to, to get everybody to work the steps, but to get everybody to see the need for something different in their life to better it. Like, well, I think the difference, at least from my understanding with therapy, is that you're not necessarily focused on spiritual principles and spiritual living in therapy. And that seems to be, for me anyway, the focus of the steps. The focus of the steps is, hey, let me help you experience and learn about these spiritual principles 
And then as we get to the later steps into, you know, like 11 and 12, it's like, okay, now let's take these principles and apply them in our life. Hmm. And I don't think you get that from therapy. I think, so when we talked, uh, you know, to Jenny and we learned about the, the Buddhist principles, like their principles are less, I want to say less, and, and I'm, she'll probably correct me on this, I'm sure, <laughs> less about the spirituality or connectedness of how we treat others. Their principles focus mainly kind of the way I look at therapy, too. It's mostly internal. It's all about us, right? But in that correcting, I hate to use that word, in that change in us that it that it produces, it ends up doing the same thing, right? And me seeing that I need healthy boundaries, I'm more willing to accept others' healthy boundaries. And me seeing the need to forgive myself, I, I see the need to forgive others, right? When I see, So they all kind of end up having the same outcome. Like we treat the world and are more connected to it because we've done work on ourselves to realize where we need that help. But do you think they're experiences that are unique to addicts or people that suffer trauma or are they just human experiences that everyone's going to have? I mean, I, I think every person in the world is going to have situations where they don't know how to develop healthy boundaries and that they either cross boundaries or allow their boundaries to be crossed and then you know, have to figure out, like, okay, how do I establish healthy boundaries? Like, that, to me, seems to be a human experience. Yeah. And I guess what I mean is I don't look as addicts as terminally unique to having the fucking uh, corner on the spiritual living piece. <laughs> like, it's not like, because I've suffered more than everyone else, I can now be the most spiritual person. Like, I don't think that's true. Hmm. I think anyone can be a spiritual person, regardless of the level of suffering that they've had in their lives. Interesting. I'm going to have to think more about that, because I don't know. I might buy into the fact that if you've suffered more, you can actually <laughs> be more spiritual. I'm not really sure. Uh, another another message we got, now that we've beat up that message a little bit, uh, Stephanie talked a lot about what we like. She actually... she sent me some pages from a book called No Mud Lotus, which looks pretty interesting to read, and it talked about the idea of how we try to fix ourselves even when it's not the right answer, like eating when we're not hungry or, or, you know, taking that further to anything we do when we don't really feel the need to do it, but we just do it anyway instead of being with ourselves. Um, and one of the things she talked about with just spirituality, one of the old quotes of like, you know, realizing that we're not the ocean, we're the wave that's part mm -hmm. of the ocean. Like we, we kind of got to flow with everything, right? And, and I guess one of the things that brought up for me was that we also have to flow with like things we don't like, right? When when society is kind of going a direction we don't like, not that I need to like it, but I kind of need to flow somewhere with it at the same time, right? Maybe to the outskirts, but I still kind of need to go in that direction. If not, I'm, I'm having a... I'm having that life where I'm mad at every fucking other Facebook post and, and things, right? Like, I, I need to find a way to flow and coexist with that, even when I don't find it to be what I believe. Yeah, and so I agree with that, but only to, a little differently in that I don't have to go with the flow. I can buck and I can stand up and be loud and bitch about it, but it doesn't generally tend to make my life better. <laughs> like right. it usually tends to make things harder and that's not always bad you know my wife would tell you that you know bucking against the norms and and the trends and whatever we see like with you know black lives matter stuff like that's what that is that's standing up and right. saying whoa wait a minute this has been a norm or a trend that we've had to deal with for years and this is not fucking okay so there are times that we need to 
to buck against the waves of life, you know, or buck against the ocean. But figuring out when that is and where best to spend that energy is important. And see, I look at that more as like that's, and I know it's not quite as easy as this. That's very uh, split. Like there's a lot of people on both sides of that, you know, debate. But I think of that more as a societal shift where it's more like the tide's coming in and out, right? So it's not so much that I need to really buck against the flow of the water. It's like, oh, okay, the water's starting to flow a little different. Like maybe that's the settling point where we're split evenly right now where, okay, it's starting to settle. The tide's fully in and now it's time for it to go back out or, or you know, whichever one you want to call yeah, that. Right. I don't know which way it would be going. But, <laughs> yeah, I... I agree, though. But no, yeah, I, some people do need to stand up against it. I, I just think it's a very tough position to take, for sure. And it definitely feels like you're trying to battle the fucking ocean coming at you in wave form when you're doing that. Yeah. Or even doing it subtly. I mean, it's like you've shared about. Like, we have this weird materialistic pop culture fucking thing going on in our society that dictates to our kids that that's, you know, what you need to be. Mm. And we need to, well, we don't need to, but... You know, in that case, it's almost beneficial for me to try to get my kids to look at that a little different. You know what I mean? Right. Like, like, I know everyone's doing that, but maybe not, you know, maybe there's a different way of doing that. I know. I keep trying to get through to my kids with that kind of stuff. <laughs> Very fruitless at times. But, and I will say this is the difference, though, is doing it in a spirit of, like, love and compassion and kindness. Like, I, I don't think what works is saying, oh... Those people are stupid, and they're dumb, and that's so stupid, you know, right. and you shouldn't do that. You know, like, that shit doesn't work. Yeah, I'm, I'm always trying to inspire some kind of thought on their part. Right. I just feel defeated frequently when I don't feel like <laughs> yeah. I inspired the thought I was <laughs> <Me> looking <too. laughs> for. Damn it, that's not what I wanted. <laughs> me too. Well, I think you've the one that's told me, like, I think we got to wait till later to see the results later. <laughs> I hope so. I hope yeah, there's too. some results. Good gracious. <laughs> so... With that uh, little wrap-up out, we're, we're going to talk about step eight today. Made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. And, uh, you know, we, we joked about there not being a whole lot to talk about with this step. You know, you, you make a goddamn list, right? Yeah. You write the names of the people you've harmed. Or you pull those names out of your fourth step. Uh, you know, in the fourth step, I'm more focused on writing out this life story, the places where I have these resentments, these fears, and it's more about how it affected me. And I think we can draw the names out of there, but leave the focus of how it affected me there in the fourth step. So I draw the names out, uh, or, or the, you know, institutions, and then I can put them in eight, and then took a whole different focus of like, well, how did I affect them? Would you say that that's kind of what we're doing here? Maybe? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Seeing how our our actions and attitudes affected, you know, people around us really looking at taking responsibility for our actions. Yeah, it's, it's so in doing some of the readings for this, I was a little disappointed because I feel like every step up until now has had some real quote worthy stuff. I'm like, ooh, that's powerful. And this one, it was kind of like, uh, I had to dig a little deeper for that sort of stuff. So one of the things that stuck out um, was that we make a list and become willing, nothing more. Like, that's all we're really trying to do here. And I think that gets lost a lot of times. We connect eight and nine so tightly because, you know, spoiler alert for next month, nine right. talks about actually finding ways to make those amends. And so I think we can get caught up in the how are we going to make the amends or which one of these amends do we really need to make right now? 
which ones aren't needed anymore. We can get, or at least I for sure can get caught up in that aspect of it, as opposed to the parts where I have to, I just need to make a list and then try my best to become willing to make them. Right. And that doesn't necessarily mean, what, what does that mean to you to become willing to make them? Because I think I've always looked at it as, am I willing to go do this thing? And I almost think there's another piece to it or, or it's something different where it's like the becoming willing part is really just seeing my part enough to want to do something different. Yeah. And for me, the, the, you know, becoming willing is, you know, I guess you'd say twofold, like one recognizing what I think harm is, what I think, mm. you know, the hurt that I cause to others is, and then two, like not being okay with that, um, because the truth is, if I haven't done a ninth step, and now that I have, I know, but, you right. know, up until that point, I don't even know what making amends really means. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? In my head, it means running up to everybody and saying, I'm sorry, but that's not what it means at my all. My bad. You know, yeah, that's that's not it at all. And, you know, now that I've had experience with making amends, I can say, you know, for me, I don't even worry about the amends part. You know what I mean? Like it's most important that we don't even think about an amends when we make this list, um, that we just look at, you know, did I cause harm to someone else? And am I okay with that harm or not? You know what I mean? Like, like, am I okay with doing that or not? You know? And so, and I think that's might be, uh, I don't want to say I missed that when I've gone through these, but I, I definitely didn't completely appreciate that piece of it, right? My idea of willingness to make amends was like, all right, am I willing to write this check to these people that I took money from? Or am I willing to go tell these people that I was a craphead, even though I'm still mad about what they did to me? Like, right. I, I tend to skip over the am I okay with that? Like, am I okay right. with the way I treated these people? It's pretty shitty. Like right. maybe I'm not. So that's a, I think that's a good thing to get out of this with willingness. Um, yeah. And the idea would be like, okay, you know, if I'm out, whatever, on the playground and some kid comes up, starts pushing me around, tries to beat me up. And then I turn around and beat the shit out of that kid. You know what I mean? It, just defending myself. Right. Like, should I feel bad about that? And do I need to owe that kid amends? And that's going to be different for each individual. You know right. what I mean? There's going to be some people that say, oh, absolutely. I never want to cause any sort of physical violence towards someone else. And then there's going to be someone else who says, no, if someone's coming at me and trying to threaten me or cause harm to me, it's okay to defend myself. And neither of those, I mean, I have my own opinion about that. But Ooh, Let's hear it. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, there's not a right or wrong for each individual in that scenario of an eighth step and then a ninth step amends. Right. You know, there's going to be people that say, no, I'm not. I don't think I did anything wrong. I don't think that's a harm. Now, if that person walked up and punched their little brother in the back of the head for no reason whatsoever, then you probably got to, you know. Right. Then punching someone in the head is probably harm. Right. <laughs> I, I think I say yes to that. Like, the – I – probably do have a right to defend myself and yet at the exact same time I will probably not feel good about harming someone after I do it regardless of whether it's justified in that moment or not uh, you mentioned you know how do we define harm and that's one of the things that it starts to talk about it says one definition of harm is physical or mental damage another definition of harm is inflicting pain suffering or loss the damage may be caused by something that is said done or left undone 
Harm can result from words or actions, either intentional or unintentional. And I thought this was kind of crucial to talk about. Um, you know, a lot of times we think about the harms we've done as in actual things we've done. And it's easy to gloss over or not pay much attention for me to the things that I left undone, right? There was a lot of things, even in my life today, there's probably times when like my wife or my kids are looking for more comforting for me or something after a situation and I don't realize it and just completely neglect it. And I got to, I think that's where I got to dig a little deeper in this and realize the times where like I didn't do something that maybe I could have, like that would have helped other people. What do you? Yeah. Well, or just things, you know, and um, not standing up for or protecting other people when we see harm Mm. being caused to them, you know, things like that as well. I mean, we can be around, you know, if you're around people using and there's kids around that see you using or see you participating in in activity, Mm. like, is that... Is that okay? You know, like, right. and and are you okay with that? You know, like, are you okay? You know, or or uh, there's times in my, you know, I guess using period and probably afterwards that I would get involved with someone who had kids, and you know, all of a sudden I'm a part of their life, and then however many months later when we're not together anymore, I disappear, you know, out of thin air again, and it's like that probably did some harm that I wasn't paying any attention to because it was all about, you know, what am I getting out of this relationship and not how am I treating others that are involved in it? And I think that speaks to the other part of this, which was harm can result from words or actions, either intentional or unintentional. And I think that's a, before I got to the 12 steps, I was definitely focused on my intentions a lot more than I am today. Like, Oh, you know, well, that's not what I meant to do. So it's not really my fault. And and this step, I think, kind of gives me the awareness that it doesn't really matter what the fuck I intended to do. People get hurt whether I intended it or not. Let me address that. Right. Or even my good intentions can cause harm. You know yes. what I mean? Even things I I thought would be good can turn out bad and, and harmful. And I still owe, well, I feel I still owe an amends for that. So let's <laughs> let's take a step back here and maybe try to you know, we usually try to put this in terms of someone who's not in a program or, or who's new to the program. Like, what would an, who would do an eighth step? Who's going to make a list, right, and try to become willing? Like, when would this happen in the, the life of an earthling? So in Catholicism and Catholic religion, you, they, they are one of the few religions that has a practice of doing this through confession. Mm. Um, you're sort of... I was raised Catholic, so, you know, you go to classes and you learn about, you know, hey, this is, you want to look back over your life and see where you've caused harm to other people. That's a sin against God when you've done these certain things. And so in, from a religious point of view, that's what that confession is about, you know, taking ownership of how you've wronged God. Um, so I, I would agree. I think that purpose is very much the same as, as our eighth step, um, because it talks about, you know, it seemed to talk about throughout the reading that the purpose of step eight was to remove our guilt, really, yeah. which I found kind of surprising, honestly, because I did not think that was what I was supposed to be doing here. Uh, and I, and we can get to that in a little while. But so I see that as a means of removing guilt, like, hey, I go, I confess it, I talk about it, I, you know, penance, whatever comes afterwards. But I feel like the penance is way different than the amends. 
Like the penance is more like, oh, I got to do this punishment almost, this detention mm -hmm. for what I did. Whereas the amends is more, I need to go do whatever in my power to try to correct what I did, you know, so that it actually affects the other person in some way. What are you talking about from the Catholicism? Well, from the... I mean, yeah, I would yeah. agree. I mean, what we do with a ninth step with an amends, yeah, I think is different than... But Catholicism's all about shaming people into change. That's all it's about. I think we're doing something different in recovery than we are in Catholicism. I, so. I would definitely agree. <laughs> and so, I think the priests want to know all your secrets so they can use it against you right. later. So. Is it to use it against you? I thought they were just curious. Yeah. Uh, maybe. Maybe they're secret kind of weird perverts or something. Yeah. Well, we know they are. But right. So. Came out a little bit. Yeah. I, I can imagine that being pretty fun, though, to sit there and listen to all everybody's dirt. Like yeah. That's like gossip or something. I, I would probably enjoy that too much. Um, <laughs> excuse me. Um, so what do you think about this purpose of removing guilt? Because I have always looked at the idea of steps eight and nine as the purpose is to get back in touch with humanity and society. And I guess removing my guilt does free me up to do that in some ways. But I've always looked at it more as a process of I'm doing this uh, because I want to right the wrongs not just for me, but also for others. And, and I guess that's not really true in nine. It really doesn't matter how they react to it. It's more about our side of the street. But I, I don't know. Something about that removing guilt just feels really <laughs> selfish. I don't know. Yeah. Well, the truth is this whole process is selfish in a way. And it's, mm -hmm. it's like the whatever paradox of, you know, through my selfish works, I achieve like a selfless, you know, result. Mm -hmm. It's like through, through doing, you know, this... Uh, list and then the ninth step making the amends you know hopefully i alleviate some pain and suffering from other people but the truth is it's really to try to just clean up my side of the street to own the wrongs that i've done in the world and then to uh, allow that to be part of my past and hopefully not part of my future well i'll tell you where removing guilt just seems to rub me the wrong way and that's in the sense that there's a lot of time, well, there's times, I always use, I like a lot and always and many, and there's times where I've, my understanding has been from, from others that we don't share what happened or, or we don't make a particular amends in a particular way because just confessing to someone where it's going to cause more damage just to get it off of us, right? Like I can relieve my guilt by going and confessing to my wife that I cheated on her or something, but it's actually not beneficial for the other person at all. And so uh, to me, if I say the whole purpose of this is to remove my guilt, then I'm going to go tell her, right? I'm going to go get it off my chest. Whew, guilt's gone. Thank God, right? She can deal with that bullshit now, all them painful feelings. And I, it's like, I've always been told that's not the way to handle this. It's not about causing pain to others, or in any way, shape, or form. And so I feel like there it kind of deviates. We're not just removing, or maybe step eight is about removing the guilt, but nine's not. Maybe nine's about the actions we need to take to, you know, not harm people. Yeah, well, and I'm just thinking back to, like, I don't think whether someone knows the wrong or doesn't know the wrong removes my guilt, for me personally. Like, I can... I can do something wrong, and everybody can know about it, and I still feel guilty about it. I don't necessarily think people knowing about it makes it go away. I think the guilt can, can be alleviated sometimes or at least somewhat relieved 
just through the confession, right? When I'm holding it all in and bottling it up, it hurts. And then there's like a freedom of like, oh, whew, thank God I, I told on myself. I don't have to live in that secret anymore. Hmm. I don't know. While we ponder that, let's take our break for the Voices ad. And, and just to mention, because we never recorded this, their their Rubber Ducky Race, which is online, oh, yes. is held in a month or so. It's early September. I don't remember the exact date. But you can find them on Facebook um, at Voices of Hope, Cecil County, or something like that. I don't know. And then, you know, if you do a Google search for Voices of Hope, uh, Cecil County, you'll you'll come across their webpage, and you'll see the how to enter the Rubber Ducky Race. It's $5 for a duck. I got a duck. I'm going to watch it online. I'm super interested for no good fucking reason. I guess my life is that boring in quarantine. But uh, So check that out, and we will be right back. This episode has been brought to you by Voices of Hope, Inc., a nonprofit grassroots recovery community organization located in Maryland. Voices of Hope is made up of people in recovery, family members, and allies. Together, Members strive to protect the dignity and respect of those that use drugs and those in recovery by advocating for treatment, support resources, and mentoring. Please visit us at www.voicesofhopececilmd.org and consider donating to our cause. Here we are back talking about the eighth step. I, I, we pondered, but I don't think I came up with anything better about that. Uh, so another quote we had was, the eighth step starts the process of forgiveness. We forgive others, possibly we are forgiven, and finally we forgive ourselves and learn how to live in the world. I don't know that there's much more to say about that. I like the idea. Um, I don't, uh, it's interesting, the, the, there was a different feel between each reading that I read about whether we should really put ourselves on this list. And I know this is just saying that ultimately we forgive ourselves through the process of the step, not so much that we need to put ourselves on it. But I did find that really interesting that one book kind of mentioned like, you know, most of us don't bother to put ourselves on it. You can, but like, (laughs) and then the other book was like, yeah, definitely. We see the need to put ourselves on here. And I'm like, this is from the same goddamn place. (laughs) How did that happen? But you have anything, any thoughts? I say in one of our readings all the time, most of all, we harmed ourselves. So, I mean, that's a, thing we read in almost every meeting we do and i think the first reading out of the book i read was more like yeah we do harm ourselves but that's not the point of what we're doing here like what we're doing in this step is about you know making it right with the world not about us and i think that depends on an individual basis too you know that's that depends on how much you you know i i guess i've talked to a lot of people that get stuck in a place of where like my life would be different if, if only this, if, if I had done that, you know. And, and if you are stuck there, it's probably important that you learn to forgive yourself and let go of that stuff. I mean, I was never that person. I was always just like, whatever, you know what I mean? Like, my life is what it is. It's whatever I make it now that matters. And I wasn't really hung up there in the past. Right. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I guess uh, I think this specific quote, at least, is talking more about just through the process of uh, you know, forgiving others and realizing how much harm we've caused, we ultimately do learn how good forgiveness feels and we can apply it to ourselves. It wasn't so much about like, that's the ultimate thing that we're doing here is, you know, forgiving ourselves for the harm we did. But I, I, I mean, it definitely says we forgive others, possibly we are forgiven. And I think that's a valid point because, (laughs) you know, and I don't even know if I have this quote further down, but it talked about, uh, God, it said we, 
and I lost it that quick. That's okay. So, <laughs> f- again, for me, the point of, you know, doing the list and making the amends was to try to – like this is one of the last points, at least in my first round through the steps, where I was really looking back over my past. I was really looking back over my use in life and, and the wreckage and drama that came with – all that and this is the last time through the steps where we really look back at that so it's almost like this is where we get to kind of own what's our shit in all of that and then say our final goodbyes you know of like like, you know there this is this can be laid to rest now we beat this fucking dog now for you know the last however many months or years we've been stuck on four through eight right and now let's put this shit to bed and and leave it in the past i I think what i was trying to think of was we we can project right it talked about how we can project talking about step nine we project what the amends will be like with different individuals and it cautioned us not to project at all because we can project positively or negatively and neither one of those is actually beneficial right Right. they set us up with an expectation of how something's going to turn out or we're living in this fantasy life and like that's not where we're supposed to be we're just supposed to be becoming willing as we make a list um here's one quote that i did find that i do love and i've used in other places by the time we reach this step, we have become ready to understand rather than to be understood. And I think this might be one of the most quotable things that's in the writing on this step. I've heard it uh, said more as like, it's more important to understand than to be understood. And I've always thought that was interesting. And maybe I find it interesting because so often in my life, I don't believe it. Like so often in my life, my head says, no, people need to understand what the fuck I'm saying. Like it's not about what they're talking about. Yeah, and there's a tremendous freedom in that, in in not feeling like you need to be understood all the time. You know, I it's for me it was something that I struggled with a lot. You know, wanting people to know how I thought and what I felt and how important it was, and making right. you know my opinion seem to matter the most all the time in every interaction that I had with anyone, mm. and then realizing that that's not that doesn't need to be the case. You know, it can be any time I want it to be, right. <laughs> but I learned to sort of rephrase that and like it doesn't need to be the case. And there are cases where, you know, I want to stand up for my beliefs, but it doesn't have to be all the time. And I feel like this is super relevant for the political, you know, split or, or just the split in society right now is that we're all on Facebook trying to be understood. And nobody's hearing the other side, right? right? We just shout louder. Oh, well, you're not hearing me. You're not changing your opinion. Well, I'm not really hearing you either, right. honestly, right? Like, I'm not taking any time to try to see where you're coming from or why you have these ideals or what you've gone through in your life that has led you to there. Because here I go. I was about to say a lot of us. I tend to operate with uh, this is what I've been through in my experience. And so I will, you know put this on every other individual and this must be everyone's experience and how they, you know, need to understand. And the fact is like, that's just not how it works. Everybody's got their own uh, list of experiences in their life and it leads us to different understandings of things. If I take the time, if I really take the time to listen to somebody, I can at least understand usually where they're coming from and possibly even some of why. Right. Not that I need to know why, but I can at least understand where they're coming from and how that 
kind of makes sense in some way. It still might not be my belief in any way, shape, or form, but I can kind of get it. And when I don't try to understand others, I'm just in the shouting match of, like, telling everybody how wrong the other people are. And so I just think that's super useful, man. If we could all decide that we're going to be more understanding and worry less about people hearing us. Right, and I think it's in that process of trying to understand other people where we really connect to humanity you know what Mm. i mean like it's not so important that we agree on everything that's not where the connection with people occurs the connection occurs with like a sincere desire to like listen and understand and like you said i don't necessarily need to agree but i think if i can approach you with some respect and humility and listen to your points of view and listen to what you have to say like that develops a connection with humanity more so than whether i agree with you or not Right. It's so quick. Some of the things I see that have really like bothered me lately are people that it's very extreme. It's very if this if this side or the other side wins, uh, we're screwed. The whole world's going to end. Right. Like the, the, we're just going to somehow blow ourselves up or something because a different party won an election one year. And it's like my experience, honestly, if I step back. My life doesn't fucking change that much no matter who does what when they're elected. Right. Really? Not much. A little. <laughs> right? There's some things I don't like about what people do when they get elected. But in general, my life hasn't changed that drastically. And so I don't need to go that extreme. Right? And, and what's better for me is to just be curious. Oh, you think different than me? That's interesting. Why? Right. Like, what is that? Tell me about it. Or like at, at our office the other day, we had a conversation. I work with, you know, five other people in an office and... We were talking about, you know, all this coronavirus stuff and lockdowns and what should be open and if people should go to school and all this other shit. And I, you know, I brought up in the conversation, I said, all right, well, let's, I said, this is why all this is so hard to figure out, you know, what we need to do. I said, because here's five of us. I said, okay, so who here would be okay with going out to dinner? I think most of us are okay with that. Who here would be okay with going to like a movie theater? That might be full of people. You know, we got 100, 150 people in a movie theater. Maybe a a crowded movie theater. Would you be okay going to a crowded movie theater? All right, what about a concert or a sporting event where you got 10 to 50,000 people? And each of us has a different level of, like, where we're okay with that. Some people are like, yeah, fuck it, I'd go to any of that stuff. And other people are like... And eh, getting up to a crowded movies, man. Fuck that. Like, I don't right. think I'd want to be there. I'm okay with a restaurant, but I'm not okay with a crowded movies, and I'm definitely not okay with a fucking concert. And then other people are like, it's my fucking freedom. I can, you know, if I want to go to a concert, I should be able to go to a concert. But that's just to, to, to point out that within five people who are all relatively similar, we all get along really well, we like each other, there's almost five different viewpoints on what's safe and what's not safe, and yet... We'll expect whoever, politicians, community leaders, whatever, to come up with like this one size fits all to fucking school or restaurants or the movies. <laughs> right. And, and, and we get frustrated when they don't represent us. Right. Right. Well, right. They... And then we yell at each other that you're stupid and I'm smarter and obviously my way's better. Yes. <laughs> and so if you get one thing out of this goddamn podcast yeah. today, Try to understand more than being understood. I think that is a hugely relevant part of this. Um, And there was – so for me, I mean, and it didn't talk about this as much in there. Maybe they talk about it more in nine. But like it was the humility part that was so important for me. And maybe just because I tend to be such a natural egomaniac or whatever. 
but there was so it was so uh important that i see like fuck man i've done a lot of wrong to people like i've done a lot of you know uh, harmful things to people even with the best intentions you know even trying not to harm people i still caused all this harm to people and so every time that i've been harmed you know by other people doesn't necessarily mean they were these nasty, vile, evil person that was out to get me. I mean, yes, they're out there too. But if I look back over the list of, you know, times I was victimized or, you know, quote unquote victimized in my life, um, it doesn't mean everyone's out to get me. It doesn't mean I need to put up these barriers or walls to the whole world because everybody's, you know, out to hurt me. Like, no, you know, hurt comes. Sometimes it's unintentional. Sometimes people don't mean it. Sometimes I've done lots of harm that I didn't mean. And, uh, you know, it, I can be okay with that. I can let down my walls, my protective barriers a little bit to allow other people into my life. And you mentioned humility in there, which, you know, if we look back a month, uh, we talked about step seven and how important humility was to that step to trying to, you know, have these defects removed. And there was a tie-in, which I loved, and I don't even know that I've ever noticed this before, it says, in order to gain true freedom from our defects, we need to accept responsibility for them. And so it talks about basically that in making our list in eight and accepting that full responsibility, that, that becoming willing piece of it, we're actually facing the humility to find true freedom from the defects in seven. Hmm. It's like part of the process continued. It's like, okay, well, I think I'm ready to have these defects removed. Well, oh, shit, I really hurt people with these fucking defects. Damn. Yeah, yeah, and it goes back to what you were talking about earlier with it's only through like experiencing that full measure of that harm that I've caused am I really willing to change, you know, right. <laughs> like exactly what you said earlier today. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah. I don't think of, I mean, I know the entire 12 steps tie in, right? But I, I guess I just, I don't know, that connection was one I really hadn't completely made that the the harm we caused and looking at that fully in eight actually helps us with the removal of the <laughs> yeah, defects. I don't think I've ever seen that either. Uh, another quote, while our efforts to make amends may make a difference in the lives of those we have harmed, this process has its greatest impact on our own lives. And that's where I, I you know, we kind of already sort of mentioned the steps are always about the quality of our lives, not really others, right? In turn, the quality of the lives of people around us generally improves because we're being better people. But I like that. Like it, it could make a difference in the lives of those we've harmed when we make an amends, but it might not affect them at all. Right. And that's not really what we're doing here. And I know that's getting ahead because we're not making the amends yet, but it's just a reminder that the purpose of this isn't about anybody else. It's not about how they take it. It's not about how the amends works out. It's just about let me do the right thing so that I can live in peace at the end of the day. Right. At least in eight. I would say there's a little more consideration of others in nine because we do talk about, you know, uh, the harm it might cause to them and make an amends. So, so in nine we do consider, uh, but in eight, yes, it's about us. You know what I mean? It, that list needs to be about us. Well, I would say nine uh, talks about kind of what you say often, like do no more harm, right? right. You don't want to do any extra harm now that you've already done some in your life. And I think that's kind <laughs> right. of what nine is about. It's like, it's not so much that it can't improve someone's life, but the important part is, hey, let's not make it any worse, right? Right. Like, right. It may or may not improve it, but let's not make it any worse. Uh, another quote would be, 
We're involved in a process designed to free us from our past so that we are able to live fully in the present. And you kind of mentioned this already. Like, this is our last sort of delving into the the past framework so that we can say we've beat the hell out of it and, and, you know, done it up and really, really taken the time to focus on it. And I like how it it mentions, you know, in doing that, we don't have to live there anymore. Like, we can truly just be here. When my son or daughter, and they're a teenager, and they're kind of being a little disrespectful in the way they're talking to me, I can just be here in this moment and know that that's just kind of how teenagers are, right? They're just sort of little disrespectful shits, right? I don't have to take it back to when my father disrespected me or when the kid on the playground disrespected me. I don't have to bring all that with me into that moment. I can just be here and say, all right, it is what it is. Yeah, and... I think up until I had made a you know this list and and got into you know making peace with some of this stuff, the past was always like a painful place. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Looking back over my life, it was painful memories. It was reliving you know abuses either that I had caused or that had been caused to me through different relationships and different things. And you know it it just seemed to have a lot of emotional baggage in that looking back on things. And now, since I've made peace with most, if not all, of that stuff, um, I can look back at my past more as like a learning lesson or like a history lesson of Mm -hmm. like, let's see what useful shit is still back here that I can sort of look at, you know, habits, behaviors, patterns that I've fallen into in my life. Right. But I don't need to experience all the shame, guilt, remorse, you know, that had been stuck in those memories absolutely uh so this part was interesting and it's a little longer of a quote so bear with me here most of us owe amends to at least one person who has also harmed us perhaps we haven't truly forgiven that person yet and find we are very reluctant to put her or his name on our list however we must we are responsible for our actions we make amends because we owe them we must let go of resentments and focus on our part in the conflicts in our lives we won't get better and be able to live a spiritual life. We be able to live the spiritual life we are seeking if we are still in the grip of self-obsession. We let go of our expectations and we let go of blaming anyone for our actions. Our idea that we have been a victim must go. In the eighth step, we are not concerned with what others have done to us. We are concerned only with accepting responsibility for what we've done to others. A long way of saying, you know, it doesn't matter if it was justified. I think this speaks to what we talked about with the person coming up and attacking us and we defend ourselves. For me personally, and and I I don't disagree that people can see it different ways, like you said, for me personally, I I think we deal with the harm we caused. If we hurt someone physically, mentally, whatever, we did that. Like, I I agree, it might have been warranted in the moment. It might have felt justified and it might have been. But after that moment, I still have to own what I did regardless. Like, I, I need to find some way to be at peace with that. I guess if I'm not bothered by it, there's nothing to do, but I don't know. I guess it's just a long way of saying I can't Let me throw focus. out another one at you. Okay. Oh, boy. <laughs> and this I is like more this. personal, and this is a little, what I would say, more complicated, and I'm okay with it. So whatever your answer, because it's going to be about me, so don't don't feel like I'm okay with the way I feel, so whatever you think is fine. Um, I just got permission. Yeah, you got permission to say whatever you want freely. So, you know, as... I don't know if we've ever talked about on here, but um, we had some a, a family member abuse our children, and so we pressed charges 
took that person to court, it ended up wrecking their lives and the life of their spouse as far as the legal and financial consequences of taking them to court, pressing charges, you know what I mean, following through with all that. Um, we absolutely caused harm to him and to, or I shouldn't say him, but them and their spouse. Mm. Um, I do not feel any least bit of remorse for that. And mm. you know what I mean? Be- and, and I could go through my rationalizations and justifications, but I'm okay with them. But it did it 100% caused harm, you know. I don't know that I would say you caused harm there. I would say you took appropriate legal action. And to me, I would say either that individual caused that harm for themselves uh, and they had to, when they had to deal with the consequences of their actions, it wasn't anything you did. It's not like you went and slashed his tires or fucking chopped his car up or something. That might have been more on you, right? <laughs> But I would say, and if you even want to go beyond that it wasn't just him causing his own harm, I would say the legal system caused him harm, right? Or, I guess if you want to take that one step further, society's agreed upon laws caused him harm. But I wouldn't say you individually caused them harm. Like, you didn't personally do anything. You did the next right thing in your situation. Do you do you think differently of that? Do you feel like you caused harm? I don't it didn't sound like you feel like you caused it. No, well, if we're just looking at – so there is a way that could be seen as causing harm. I mean, and maybe mm. if not to them, then what about their spouse who had to suffer the consequences of – indirectly of the harm? But again, to me, that's their choices, not mine. They had other choices they could make. <laughs> no. Yeah, I just – I don't know. I guess I don't think of consequences for actions as someone actively causing – that would be like me saying – uh, the state of Maryland caused me harm because they locked me up for what I did. Like, no, the state of Maryland didn't do that. I fucking did that. And then there was a law, and I knew that, and I violated that. Like, that's me causing my own harm to right. me. That's not the state of Maryland. So then I guess I would wonder what would be different in, like, a self-defense type scenario. Uh, and, and And this is why I completely respect that other people might feel differently. But for me, if I actually won the fight i guess or whatever like i would just feel bad that i hurt some i don't ever want to hurt someone right i don't care if i have a right yeah, to or not i would just feel guilty about it and i would not want to feel guilty like i don't want to punch somebody in the face that sounds fucking terrible well so and the reason i i'm sort of going here is because to me like if i say all right this is wrong then this is a behavior that i need to change or amend or do differently in the future but if someone comes up and attacks me again the next time, am mm. I going to defend myself or am I going to say, no, I don't want to cause harm to people and cross my arms and let them harm me? That's interesting. Yeah, I guess I haven't really. So the the amend is nine. We're fuck that. We're, we're yeah. only dealing with <laughs> we're only dealing with the list and the willingness, Billy. Well, that's uh, what I mean. Are you willing to you know what I mean? Like if it's not, I guess the hmm. willingness is the willing being willing to. Do something different. Being willing to change. Being willing to I would own be, that that's a wrong. And if I, I would say something willing, wrong, I want to do something different. I would be willing to own that I hurt someone and that I did not like it. Would it change protecting my life in the moment again? Probably not. And I don't know that it needs to, honestly. Um, I think it would continue my behavior of not harming people regularly for no reason. Uh, or if I had harmed people regularly for no reason before that, it might amend that behavior. 
But I, I don't, yeah, I'm going to protect myself to the best of my ability, I believe. That's interesting, though. So I guess what would be another way of handling that would be like if somebody attacks me to call the authorities and, you know, properly handle that through law. Um, but I wouldn't feel guilty that way. Like, I wouldn't feel like I had caused any harm then. That's mm. what they did. And the poli- I'm thinking about, it like, my kids, right? <laughs> my, my son was to do something to my younger son and then say it was justified because, you know, the younger son kicked him or something. And it's like, well, yeah, but the proper thing to do is to come to me and let me handle it. And I I know that kids aren't going to do that, right? But I, I still say it and try to remind him because I feel like I, as a third party, can dole out the appropriate response, not, you know, smack him or something across the back of the head. Uh, and see, this is where me and my <laughs> wife almost d- disagree is that, you know, if my son goes in and does something to his older sister and then she smacks the shit out of him, I'm like, dude, what do you, you expect was going to happen? Like, that's... <laughs> And that might be part of my response, right? <laughs> like, I, I might say, buddy, if you kick your older brother, he's going to hit you. Like, but if she goes too far, then there's a consequence. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> yeah. right? And and a lot of my reaction is more of, like, how do we deal with these feelings? It's more. It's not so much of, like, one's punished or the right. other one's not. It's just, hey, how can we both better evaluate our feelings? But that's interesting, because you're right. I, if I was defending myself, I would still feel bad, and I would want to become willing to make an amends in the sense that I didn't want to hurt someone and I did. So I'm going to feel bad about that, but I'm not going to want to change that behavior. So that brings up an interesting question. Do you have to want to change the behavior? Was it the wrong behavior just because I feel like I want to feel one? bad about it? Can I do the, so or is quote, it more important to our own morals and values that we don't feel bad about it. You know what I mean? Is that a guilt or a shame that we shouldn't? I mean, I don't know. I'm just... Right. This is interesting for me to think about, too, because, like, say, I've always thought, well, if I go through this and it's defects and it's harm that I cause, then it's obviously something that I want to change about myself. And right. And maybe not, you know, because I would feel bad if I beat someone up, too. Right. You know? But does that mean I want to change that? Does that mean I would do something different again? And so that's a that's a very <laughs> real question. Do we have to think that the behavior was wrong in order to want to make some sort of amends for it? And I don't know. Hmm. Maybe yeah. the amends could be learning uh, not physically harmful self-defense techniques, right? Yeah. Ones where you just, like, deflect blows instead of punching people. I don't know. <laughs> You're right. Going to, right. That's going what your sponsor's line. for. Your sp- <laughs> yeah. I can talk you to your sponsor. sponsor get together about that. <laughs> Uh, so. Well, and I, I say that because there are a lot of times where we can look at, you know, feeling like we caused harm that we didn't. You know what I mean? Like, the, there are... there are Imagine guilt. Yes. Like, yeah. and we talk about that through our fourth and fifth step, you know, there's these imagined guilt and imagined shame where we feel guilt and shame about things that we shouldn't. Right. It know? wasn't our responsibility. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I, I would definitely say to our listeners, like, feel free to fucking weigh in on that one because I am definitely curious about yeah. opinions on it. I have well, no idea. And that's what's really fun about recovery, or, or I should say fun, but what's to me makes it different than a religion, for example. It's like we have the, the freedoms to develop our own beliefs and values here. I don't have one that I get to tell you that, oh, this is what it is, and I don't care what you really think, you just got to follow this because this is commandment number seven. Mm. So, you know, this is a difference here of where, 
You know, this program will help us to sort out what's right for us, what feels right in my spirit, what's going to help me be a better person at the end of the day. It may be a little different than what's, you know, you need or what's better for you in your life. This might be the first time on our podcast we didn't know the answer. (laughs) (laughs) The next quote we're going to move on to is, we are now looking for the people, places, and institutions we harmed, not just the types of harm we inflicted. We didn't just lie, we lied to someone. We didn't just steal, we stole from various people. I think that's an interesting thing it made a point of, right? Like, I have I can definitely say, oh, this is my part, I lied, right? I did this, but it takes some of the humanness out of it when I don't say who I did it to. And I think maybe that's where the, the, the four differs from the eight, right? In four, it's like, oh, this is what I did, I lied, and I need to work on me lying because mm. it's all about me. And then in eight, it's like, well, yeah, but I lied to someone. And how did that fucking affect that individual, right? I didn't just steal. I stole from this corner store. And how did that affect the owners of that store and their inventory and their bottom line and, you know? Yeah, and I think, though, you can get totally bogged down with some of that. Um, An example that immediately comes to mind for me is, like, coworkers. You know, like, if I'm working with a group of people and I'm off getting high in the bathroom while my other co-workers are out doing their job you know what I mean? like that puts more work or more responsibility on them and is a form of harm right. well I've had I couldn't tell you how many different jobs and worked with so many different people like to try to make a list of every one of those individuals mm. would probably if not impossible I would miss people or not get it right anyway and some of those people don't even remember their names you know right. what I mean and so in those cases, I think, you know, it's, it's sort of helpful to say, well, as a coworker, I was a bad person, you know, or, or I did these harms. I shouldn't say I was a bad person. That's a terrible way to say that. <laughs> I caused these harms. Right. Well, I think the, the last sentence, we didn't just steal. We stole from various people. Like, I do think it helps to make it very deeply human to the one individual specifically that we can pick out. But in that situation, as long as you have one instance where you think, oh, man, yeah, I definitely hurt Sally and all those other people. Like, it just gives you the ability to see that it affected people, I think. It's not so much about remembering each individual name. Well, Sally and fuck, there was Bob. And, like, it's just, you know, I think as long as we can make it human that it happened to people and not just I fucked off in the bathroom, right? Yeah. But I think it's also important to look at like our community or society as a whole as well. Mm. You know, I, you know, drank and drove. I broke a lot of laws, you know, yeah. like I put a lot of people in, in harm's way through different different things. I caused accidents. I was in an accident. I don't really remember. I don't even know the people's names whose car I hit, you know, because I ended up getting arrested and off to jail and fuck those people. You know, I didn't really care at that point in my life. I could maybe try to go back and search and figure it out um but i think when i look at some of those behaviors the way i affected my community and you know society as a whole you know that's helpful too to look at that as a as a general group not just individuals no absolutely uh next quote would be that this step does not say that we become willing to say we're sorry although that may be a part of our amends most of the people we've hurt have probably heard us say, I'm sorry, enough to last a lifetime. In truth, we are becoming willing to do anything possible to prepare the damage we've done, particularly by changing our behavior. Mm-hmm. I thought that was interesting. 
like I don't know that I've ever gone into this step and thought my goal was to become willing to do anything yeah, possible. A, I heard that anything in there was like, <laughs> yeah, right. Like that's a lot. <laughs> Am I really supposed to become willing to do anything possible to repair the damage? I don't know. So a lot of my, not a lot. There's definitely some of my wrongs where I've harmed people that I'm not going to ever make direct amends for because I'm probably going to do some kind of more damage or, you know, cause some other chaos or it's just better where it's at for this point. And and a lot of that's around relationships and the ways I treated women in relationships. And I'm not going to hunt them down, you know, on Facebook to pop in their DMs, you know, with their husband and five kids or whatever. So I don't know. The whole become willing to do anything possible, really. I, I wrote it down, I think, because that stuck out so much, and I wanted to hear what you had to say about yeah. that. Uh, I'll just chalk that up to that's an idealistic goal. Mm. <laughs> that probably is humanly impossible. That's like saying I'm going to be honest for the rest of my life. You know, it's right. like it's it's yes, that's what we're striving for. That's what we're shooting for. Uh, maybe when you get to fifty years clean, <laughs> then you're you're at the any lengths or whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's it's super interesting. I do. I mean, going back to the original part of it, though, that it's not just becoming willing to say we're sorry, right? Uh, and and I'll get into a a little lesson I learned in, when we go over nine next month about whether we say I'm sorry or don't or whatever. Uh, but it is not – it's not just about becoming willing to say I'm sorry. Like that's, right. I think, the easiest – Yeah. sometimes the easiest part. Sometimes it's hard. But, yeah, it, it's more about becoming willing to do what's necessary, I guess, to prepare – you know, just take that fucking anything out of there. You know, what's possible to repair the damage? If you stole money from someone, maybe you're going to need to pay that money back, right? If you – I don't know. There's a whole lot of other things. I think that's more yeah. for nine, though. And so – the only other thing I have besides that is a thing I found on uh, jasonwaller.com. It was a discussion about the eighth step, and it, it stuck out. It was pretty interesting to me. He says, when you feel it's pretty thorough, take your list and break it into four categories with your sponsor. And the four categories were, uh, one, people to make amends to now, um, once you're on a, a good footing in recovery. Two, people to make partial amends to in order to not injure them or others. Three, people to make amends to later. And four, people we may never be able to make direct personal contact. And I thought that was interesting and and possibly helpful. I know it kind of borders on, you know, careening into nine as we talk about that kind of list of when can we make them and how would we make them. But I almost think because... I know we say we're not thinking about the actual amends Mm -hmm. when we're writing this list, but we fucking are. I don't know anybody that said they've been capable of not thinking about what it might be like to make the amends. And for some of the more overwhelming ones, if we need to put them on a list of like, okay, I I do need to make this, but it's going to be later. Like this, my eight months clean right now is not the time to make this huge amends that I need to make. I think that might actually be freeing to some extent. What, What do you think about that? Um, I think that process of trying not to act out on our self-centered thinking is important. In mm. me. Like, obviously, we're going to think about, oh, man, I'm going to go to this person. They're going to say that and they're going to say this. And it's important for me to say to myself, look, stop that. You don't know what's going to happen and you don't know how it's going to be. So stop 
worrying about the amends and just keep making your list. Like that, that's an actual practice that I have to do still in my life now on a regular basis. Oh, I got to make this phone call to this person at work who's upset with us for some reason. And I'm going to say this and they're going to say that. And then, and then I'm paralyzed to where I don't even make the phone call. You know what I mean? Because the, the story in my head makes the actual action impossible. And that process of, of actively choosing not to worry about the ninth step is helpful. I think it is too, but I, I'm looking at it more from, uh, if we take like the feeling aspect of it out, maybe someone we harmed financially and we just owe a very large amount of money to, and we want to call this, this individual or institution and make a repayment plan of some sort, right? Because that's our goal to do whatever's possible to make the amends. And yet we're currently in a minimum wage job and we're barely getting by and we know we can't really afford anything. We can't even make a good effort attempt to say, hey, I'll pay you $5 a month. Like there's just no money like that. That can be overwhelming to even think about, oh, my God, I have to make this amends because I'm about to get to this point where it's time to do that. And so I, I don't know. I just thought it was interesting that you could possibly make this separation of categories and say, OK, yeah. I'm becoming willing to make these amends. That's just one that's going to have to wait until I'm in a better financial position. Like, I can't even call that person or place yet to even possibly deal with that. So I don't have to have that that overwhelming burden of, like, I'm not doing something I'm supposed to be doing right now. Like, that's on my list for later. That's what it's for. Yeah. And, and I always just looked at the list as, I don't know when I'm going to make these amends. It fucking might be 20 years from now. Right. You know what I mean? Or I might get high tomorrow and I never have to make them. Who cares? <laughs> Just make the list. I mean, and we were joking about this at the break, and I said, really, you know, the first time I did the eighth step with my sponsor, he said, just make the fucking list. Don't think a bunch about it. Just make the list of all the persons that you harmed, and we'll get to the amends and all that in nine. And that was, it was that, for me, that was the most simple instruction that I got, and I went, okay, I'm just going to make the list and not worry about the amends. And that's what I did, (laughs) you know? And it was, and it doesn't mean it was necessarily easy, but it was fairly simple, you know, right. Um, obviously, there was some we needed to talk about, and some stuff we went over in nine about what types of amends and that stuff. But I, and and I would say I was fairly lucky in that um, coming into this uh, an eight step anyway. Like I was raised with good morals and values. I recognized most of the harm I was causing along the way in life. You know what I mean? It wasn't like a big shocker that you know when I stole from somebody and felt guilty about it. You know, like I knew what I was doing was wrong and chose to do wrong anyway. I think there are people that come into this process with, you know, sort of, I would say, twisted or mixed up morals and values. And and they may be able to justify certain kinds of harm or, you know, like say, well, I was abused as a kid, so it's okay to abuse other people. You know, that's just what people do and that kind of stuff. I think those situations get a little tougher. Um, But for me, like I was pretty aware of the difference between, you know, right and wrong and causing harm to others. It was it was fairly easy to see. How much of that do you think is taught to us? Like, I, I know we can kind of be programmed in different ways by our society, and I in no way doubt that, right? Like, I've seen some of the messages that Hollywood or, or you know, the alcohol industry has placed into the world and how they've spread and how I've believed them for bits of time and, you know, how I almost had to, like get to a different place in my life to be able to see behind those kind of messages. But how much of this, this spirituality that we talked about last week and these spiritual principles is taught to us 
And how much do you think we just kind of come to an understanding of through getting in touch with whatever it is our spiritual center is? Like, I, I kind of tend to think, and that not that we're all going to, like, get in recovery or, or in a different place in life and plug into this, you know, one spiritual source and we're all going to share the same values. Like, I don't so much believe that, but I do kind of think there's some universal ones that even without anybody to teach us, we would sort of come to on our own if we sought it. Not to say that we would come to it if we were, you know, using sex, drugs, and rock and roll to, you know, distract ourselves from it. Like, I think that's part of the problem is that we use these things to, to move away from it. But when we're, that's our focus. Man, I want to, like, focus on the universe and the world and just be more in connection. I think some of that is going to come to us naturally, whether we've ever been taught it or not. What do you think? Um... And I, I mean, you might hear the words, but that doesn't mean you experience the feeling. So, or the the sensations, if you will. So, what I immediately think of is, okay, let's take a kid who's been raised by an abusive father, who's physically abusive. You do something wrong, you get the shit kicked out of you, and you never really get the message that that's wrong. You know what I mean? Because maybe he doesn't just beat you for the sake of beating you. Maybe he only beats you when you do dumb shit. You know, then you get beat up. And so you think, oh, well, if somebody does me wrong, then I beat the shit out of them. Like, that's the way that we live. And the cops tell you that's wrong. But in my house, that's what's right. That's our that's become our values. You know what I mean? You don't let people do you wrong or you beat the shit out of them. Right. And so that because society tells you that's what the value is supposed to be. That's never what you've experienced in your life. So well, that is not your value. You know I what I mean? Right. Like, I don't mean society telling us that, that we need to change our values. And and this is where I'm I'm so I'm I'm looking at your example and I'm saying, you know, I had an angryish father. He wasn't as physically abusive as I'm sure, you know, happens out there all too frequently. There was a lot of anger and, and, you know, loud and bullying type behavior. And it was emotionally, you know, aggressive and abusive in ways. And, like, I carried that into my adulthood to, to my earliest children, unfortunately, to some extent. I don't know that I could change overnight, for sure. And I don't know that I would have changed as fully without, you know self-help books that I listen to and therapy and all these outside influences that have helped me gain this spirituality. But I do know that even when that's what I was raised with and that's what I did as an adult, it still didn't feel right. Like there was just something when I was seeking this spiritual way of life, there was something that just afterwards said, that can't be good. Yeah, but once you became to seek a spiritual way of life, I think it's the important part there. Right. Well, and that's what I'm saying. So you were mentioning, like, I was raised with these good parents. I had these good values. And so it came naturally to me when I got clean, whereas for others it might not. And I think when we try to plug into a spiritual existence, even if we've never had that teaching, that it's possible just plugging into this spiritual existence can kind of clue us into some universal spiritual principles whether we've ever been taught them or not oh yeah 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 so uh, yeah once you get into recovery or into a process of seeking you know a different way like yeah for sure i would agree with that yeah so i would think even people who maybe didn't have the greatest upbringing or or lessons or role models can still like you just kind of feel that 
Uh, oh, yeah, I definitely see. think they could do it. I just meant for me personally, like, it was fairly easy. Like, the right. eighth step wasn't overly complicated or overly difficult. Like, it, it was one of the most simple ones. Some of these are a little deep, and they're asking you to fucking dig pretty deep. You know what I mean? Right. This was just, like, make a list of all the people you've been shitty to. Like, and it was really that kind of, like, okay, I know them people. You know, right. like, I know that's the awareness of who I've done wrong to is... is I think the deep part for me in that might have been uh, some of the things we've mentioned here. It might have been like moving away from, you know, uh, justifying my actions because of how the other person acted too, right? I might have had to really look a little deeper to become willing in a situation like that to say, you know what, this isn't about what the fuck they did. This is about do I feel good about how I acted? Because what good does it do me like to only be good to people who are good to me? Right. Right? Like, does that really say it a whole lot? I think almost anybody can be good to people who are good to them, right? Right. Like, I want to be good to people who aren't good to me as well. I don't want them to be able to change my character or give them that kind of power. And so I I think I had to dig deeper in some of those kind of aspects. Yeah, and and I guess that's sort of what I mean. Like, it was those sorts of uh, aspects were were very – like, I didn't get Mm. hung up on that. Like, it didn't matter what people did to me. It was easy to see, like, I did harm here. What they did didn't matter, but this is what I did, and that was harm. Uh, Maybe that's part of being raised fucking Christian. I don't know. I did go to Christian school and had all these, you know. There was some good parts of Jesus that are helpful and useful in your life, you know. I wasn't, if you don't get hung up on the hate and the gays and the, all the other weird shit, you know. Right. Like, there's some good stories in that book. I didn't, so I didn't get as strict of a, a Catholic upbringing, but I definitely did the CCD and, and, you know, was an altar boy for a short period of time for all the wrong reasons. Um, and I went through the sacraments and everything. And I, I don't know, I definitely struggled with, I think because I took everything personally, it was really hard for me to see where I was at fault when people had done something to me. It was just hard to get past what they had done. It was like, yeah. oh. And, and a lot of that shit wasn't even really personal to me. I just took it that way, right? <laughs> so that's interesting. Um, so, yeah, I don't know that there's a whole lot more to talk about step eight. I, I There's a question I got, but I feel like it's delving into step nine. But I, I don't know. Fuck it. I'll ask it anyway. Um, so I noticed you, and I don't want to say... I'm boxing you in here, damn it. Um, I want to say you're more of a hands-off sponsor, and I don't know completely what I mean by that, but more of like, not that I know a whole lot of hands-on sponsors, really, but (laughs) I guess what I'm trying to say is like a lot of times you say, hey, these are not my responsibilities as a sponsor. You have those clearly laid out, right? And obviously some of them we know. We're not financial advisors or marriage counselors or any of that kind of stuff that it talks about, but... You're very, you know, my job as a sponsor is to walk you through the 12 steps and, you know, help you with that kind of stuff and maybe some other outside conversations. And so I look at eight and nine as a place where a sponsor has a fuck ton of influence over what amends will be made directly and how they'll be made and if they're appropriate. I feel like this is a place where a sponsor gets a lot of like personal input or oversight onto how the amends process happens and what's acceptable, right? And and I get it because they're a third party and, and they can maybe see a little more clearly the situation and say, eh, there's probably some harm that can be done if you try to do it that way or maybe we shouldn't contact that person, right? Maybe she's happy in her life and you should just let her be happy in her life and not remind her that you fucked a bunch of people while you were with her. Um, and so I don't know. I, I, 
was interested in your take on that because I feel like from your standpoint of what a sponsor is, you don't want to have too much influence or, or direction in someone's life. And so I was really curious about that for you. Regretfully, this is the moment we had technical difficulties. And so we will have to have a cliffhanger waiting for Billy to answer, uh, possibly next month during step nine. And I encourage you all to come to your own conclusion and, and think about that question and then reach out to us and let us know what you think so we can have more to talk about. Stay safe. If you enjoyed this podcast, please feel free to share it with people you think might benefit from the conversation. Look us up on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to join the conversation also and share your ideas with us. We'd love to hear it.